You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. This week, I am joined by Sam Cox. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Sam E. Cox, and you can find his writing at Fresh Saints or FreshSaints.com. And this week, he joined me to talk about the result at the Vitality Stadium. Of course, Saints... Uh, went there, got a nil-nil draw, got a point. And then the question kind of is, you know, are we celebrating a nil-nil draw at the Vitality Stadium? Is that progress or or is it is it two points dropped? And should we be winning that game? And I think that is kind of the main question right now. Uh, we're coming off of an international break. Many of the guys were away. And there were lots of things to talk about from the center back selection to uh, the result in and of itself to the relative kind of comfort that our defense was at uh, and, and Alex McCarthy only, I think, having one save to make uh, throughout the day. So there's lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Um, I'm going to keep this short because if you can't tell, um, I am sick. And I don't know when it happened. Uh, last night, less than 24 hours ago, I was playing uh, hide-and-go-seek with my kids outside. Uh, and now I have just woken up from a nap, and it's 6 o'clock in the evening. And I don't know what's happening. Oh, well. Uh, so hopefully I'm better soon. Hopefully this doesn't sound terrible. Hopefully I don't sound like I'm sick on the recording when I was talking to Sam. Uh, we spoke Sunday morning. Uh, so I hope that it all kind of sounds uh, nice. Um, I'm not making sense. So let's just get to it. This is Sam Cox. Uh, his writing is good. You should read it. Freshchains.com. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Sammy Cox. And here he is talking to me about Saints performance at the Vitality Stadium against Bournemouth. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Sam Cox. You can find his writing at Fresh Saints, and you can find him on Twitter at Mr. Sam E. Cox. Uh, Sam, thanks for joining me, and uh, I appreciate your time on this Sunday afternoon. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to, to speaking with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it is kind of nice that we have a, at least a point to talk about, um, mm-hmm. and that leaves us, I'm sure, with a few talking points. But before we get to that... Um, just let's get your your history a little bit as a, as a fan, and then we'll jump into you as a uh, you know doing the sports journalism uh, thing and writing for Fresh Saints and all that. So, uh, and then we'll get into the game. Does that sound all right? Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. All right. Um. So, so I mean, just are you from the Southampton area, or how are you a Southampton fan? I know sometimes we have people who write for certain places who are are not fans, but they just happen to fall into a, a writing thing for, through school or whatever. But uh, what's your history with the club? Yeah, I've been a Southampton fan ever since. Ever since I started going to football with my dad, really. Um, yeah, I think my first real sort of memories, the first real season that I went 
consistently was um, was George Burley's. Well, it would have been George Burley's second full season in charge. The season where we just stayed up on the final day with uh, Nigel Pearson coming in. So my early memories of Saints probably weren't the best football to watch, but I think that's as I say, it's a roller coaster watching Southampton. So I've been there, been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, season tickets or anything like that as a as a, as a younger uh, adult or or a child. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I'm a, well, I'm a season ticket holder to this day. I think um, my first season where I was a full season ticket holder was our second season in League One. Um, All right. So I started off with Alan Pardew and then obviously Nigel Atkins came in. But prior to that, I was still going consistently with, with my dad. So that was the reason why we got a season ticket because we were pretty much going to every home game anyway. So we thought <laughs> we might as, well, yeah. might as well get a season ticket. Yeah, I mean... Your dad's been watching the, the team, I assume, longer than you. So, I yeah, mean, what's yeah. what are I mean, you talk to him about about what's going on in the last couple of years, and does he see it you know, a bit differently than you, just because he's been around longer? Yeah, I think so, and I think he sort of um, he sort of rubbed off into me. It sort of gives me a a, a better perspective on it um, for myself, really. Um, of course, my dad's seen us seen us play really well and seen some great teams, and he's also seen some some not so good football so yeah well, I mean when we talked about at the end sort of the, the back end of last season before it was um, it, it looked increasingly likely that we were going to slip down into the championship um, I think he just said to me that we've seen we've seen Southampton play in League One you know so it's it's it just gives you a better perspective on it um, he's been there for I say he's been there for a long time he's seen a lot seen a lot of good players and, and not so good players so as I said he's um yeah, yeah. As I said, his journey has been much longer than mine. He's seen. Um, I, I feel quite fortunate to be honest that I've seen uh, when growing up. I've seen uh, the rise through the divisions and seen some great football and some great players. Um, whereas for for a long time, especially you know pre pre two thousand, I think Saints in in the Premier League we were, were battling relegation every season. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's been there. He's been through thick and thin. I mean, just just thinking about that. I mean, you you look back kind of fondly on that on that stuff then uh the, the rise through the leagues and stuff rather than just finishing 17th or 16th on staying up on the final day yeah of course of course when you're when you're younger and you're going to football sort of for the first time it's not for you it's it's a new experience and whatever you see on the football pitch is you're in awe of it really despite it might not have been the best football and the best players we've watched so the fact that i can't quite remember how old i was when we sat down into league one but it, for me it was that was just football at the end of the day but as as you start getting older, obviously the attachment grows. Um, and from from when I really got into Southampton, I think it was it was sort of was playing good football first on Alan Pardew. Obviously the memories of the Johnson's Paint Trophy final. So I was about I think I was about ten or eleven when when we went there uh, and we went and won the cup and um, and then obviously the back to back promotions and and then the, the we took to to last the Premier League pretty well. And now it's only been the sort of past couple of seasons where it's, it's sort of gone back downhill so my memories of Southampton really have all, has always been positive and so that's why for me now it's it is for everyone for every Saints fan it's hard to watch, watch the club at the moment because of how you know so how good we were you know, not too long ago but um, right. as I said my, my memories of Saints have, have always been positive because I've always seen us been doing doing pretty well yeah yeah and it's I've only been watching since kind of we got back to the Premier League. So like mm-hmm. everything else before that is is uh you know, obviously it's history and you can read about it, but it's not yeah. I wasn't living it, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have this attachment to the team that went down and then, you know, everything that happened there. But I mean sometimes I think that it it's easy for me to forget what what life was like before the Premier League and, right. and, and what it was like to get back there um, as much as I try to remind myself. And sometimes I think that people, we get caught up in it. And 
you know, sometimes when I talk to people who, who have been through it, they kind of say, you know, we, we've gone through this and it's going to be okay. And yeah, it's a change. And, but, 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 you know, like life goes on, the, the team will still play football. People will still go. Um, mm-hmm. Some people will, will disappear, but that's, you know, maybe that's, that's okay. And, you know, yeah. I don't know. So, so yeah, but I mean, I think if we put in a couple more performances like yesterday's first half, maybe we, we, we stay up, but we're still, uh, we're still struggling uh, a bit, I would say. Yeah. I think the potential is there in the squad. Um, but the, the problem is we, and it's been our problem really for the for the past couple of seasons. We've, we've shown glimpses of quality and we've shown glimpses of what we can do on the field, but it's, it's just a case of being consistent and then, and having the right quality as this is always difficult when you, you've got quality and, and it is hard for clubs like us to keep hold of our best assets. Um, and that's sort of, again, part and part, part and parcel of it really, that your best players will go on to, to bigger, to bigger clubs. Um, so I think to be honest at the moment, we, we've got the right ideas on the pitch, but I just think we lack a little bit of that quality and, and I think confidence as well. I think we lack a lot of confidence in front of goal. I think that's what let us, what definitely let us down yesterday yeah. and what's been letting us down across the, the season so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if I can ask just like, how did you go from, from being a fan and, and all that stuff and, and going with your, with your dad to, to games to, to wanting to become or getting into sports journalism? Like where does that kind of fit in? Um, for me, I think, as I say, I've, I've always been into football. I've, you know, I've played it, um, not a very high standard, but I've played it ever since I was young as well. So I've always had that sort of love for the game. And um, yeah, I wanted to just, my life to revolve around football and, and, growing up and you obviously you find out about your your ability in in different things and i found writing and and writing about football writing about sport is something that i found found it quite well and um yeah i I think it's just for me it is um one of those things that that i took too well and i enjoyed it and and then once you find out when you're growing up that you can you can do this as a career and there's jobs that that revolve around this then for me it was a no-brainer to to follow that path and try and try and make a career out of it and i mean how's that gone so far you you enjoying the stuff i mean is there a lot of stuff that you didn't really realize that was going to be part of it that you're you're learning about now yeah of course there's lots of there's a lot of um aspects to make sure that you're doing the right thing you're not there's a lot of legalities with it that i'm sort of just learning about now here at university um but again, it's it's um, there's a lot of aspects to it that that you don't realise um, that that it covers really. So yeah, as I said, the legalities you want to make sure you're doing the right thing, and reputation's a big thing. You want to make sure that you you've got a reliable reliable source for for people to want to use you and and use your work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then I mean, now you write for Fresh Saints and you help run mm-hmm. the website and all that stuff um, with Aiden. Of course, I think everybody. Um, I think most people that listen to this podcast will, will know, uh, of him and his work over the, over previous seasons, but he's, he's moved on to, a to be employed by Arsenal. So he's, he's out of the mm-hmm. a picture for now, but, um, I mean, you've come to, how, how did you arrive at fresh saints, uh, versus, you know, landing at maybe one of the other, uh, mm-hmm. outlets for writing? Um, well, me and Aiden, um, both went to the same college in, in Southampton, um, a couple of years ago. Um, and for me, it was we both went on uh, a week's work experience at Daily Echo, and I just contacted him through that because we had a mutual mutual friends at at college, so I sort of contacted him through there because I knew he ran ran Fresh Saints, and I knew it helped him a lot. And um, the teachers that we shared also were sort of nudging me towards that. So it just 
sent her a message and wondered if I could get involved and he was more than happy to to use my to use my articles and um yeah to be honest with you I quite I owe quite a lot to to be in the position that I'm in in right now as a journalist now and you're in your covering Southampton is it is it difficult to cover the team that you like because you have to be kind of objective and and you know you're sitting in the press box you can't you can't cheer you can't do that stuff or, or do you are you don't do you not have a hard time separating that stuff out um sometimes as sometimes it is it can be difficult because as a fan you you're emotionally invested into the club and into the players so for me sometimes you have to take a step back um following a result or following a situation and maybe let your emotions die down for for half an hour or so before you start writing because some sometimes as you say it can, it can can become really opinionated in it and it's and as most football fans know your feelings immediately after a football match involving your club is, is more heat at the moment than than what you actually feel a few hours later. So sometimes, yeah, it is difficult, especially sort of last season as well when under Pellegrino and it wasn't going well at all and we, we were really struggling. It was hard to um, separate um, your your feelings and then and and trying to get it into a, a, an objective and sort of balanced balanced articles. But as I say, I think sometimes you just got to let the heat of the moment emotions die down and then you can really get an objective view of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yesterday was a little bit easier to do that because I feel like it. There weren't these big, huge. I mean, yeah. there were a couple of moments where we probably should have scored and probably should have taken some points. But um, I think overall, I'm relatively happy uh, with with how it all went. I mean, we got a point away. Granted, it was at Bournemouth, but that's a team that that was in sixth place going into yesterday's matches. So uh, I'm not going to be super, super um, upset. Uh, and I just want to ask you one more thing about about journalism and stuff like that before mm-hmm. we get we actually get to the game. You ever been in the press box and accidentally cheered? Any of that stuff ever happened to you? Uh, fortunately for me, no. Luckily, <laughs> not. I think sometimes, sometimes you do. You are desperately trying to trying to check the scores, and sometimes it's yeah, it's hard not to. But luckily for me, I haven't haven't fallen into that trap. I'm sure maybe one day it will happen, and I'll and I'll be getting some uh, some uh, evil glares from from the other journalists in the press box. But luckily, luckily for me, it hasn't hasn't quite happened. I mean, the press box is a pretty friendly place. Everybody can help each other out, or is it? hostile and everybody's trying to yeah i think so i think to be, to be perfectly honest i've the experience i've had in in press boxes i haven't been in loads haven't haven't really done that as much as i'd like so far i've done it done it a few times but i think for me as a as a trainee journalist and um being 19 in the age i am i think some from, from my experiences the journalists in there do help you out and they do recognize that that you are, you know, you're still, you're still training to, to become that. And, um, they, they've all been in the situation that, that we're in now. So I think, I think it is a friendly environment well, from my experience. It has been. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Well, you mind, you want to jump into the match now and talk about yeah, all, yeah. all that stuff. Um, I mean, going into yesterday, obviously coming off the back of international break, a lot of the squad was away. Um, but we saw, uh, three of the back four actually maybe four of the back five if you want to count McCarthy who had to pull out through injury um they were all around for for the international break so uh, Vestergaard mm-hmm. doesn't get a start but Stevens and Hoot are that partnership and I know that that Hoot's come under a lot of criticism yeah. um this season uh but you have Bertrand Hoot and Stevens who uh, if you just look at the quote from from Hughes he says probably some were a little surprised by the selection uh but it was a consequence of the really good work in the week Wes, Ryan, and Jack understood totally what we were trying to do. Um, and I mean, to you, is that 
that back four or the back 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 five is that is that a justified selection from Hughes and and uh, maybe now that we've seen them play I I think it was totally I think they they performed mm-hmm. just adequately or just fine but going into yesterday were you were you surprised or were you worried by that by the selection of that back four at all um prior to kickoff to be honest with you yes I've I traveled up to Everton and watched um the league game and Hoyt and Stevens were the back the back two there um and they didn't have their best afternoon to say the least they and uh they, they were being caused all, all types of trouble from Theo Walcott and, and Guilfrey Sigerson and, and Richarlison especially. So when I looked at the team sheet prior to kickoff, yes, I, I was a little bit sceptical. I'm, I'm personally, I'm quite a big fan of, of Jan Bednarek. And uh, at, at the time, I was wondering what he had to, to do to stay in the team. Um, but as you say, at, at full time, the, the selection was justified. I thought Hoyt and Stevens, that's the best I think I've seen them both play for Saints, to be honest. Um they they really nullified any any bomb of attack and um, as you say as as Hugh said um, they they execute the game plan perfectly. Yeah, I mean, looking at the rest of the of the lineup, I think Hoiberg and Lamina are are going to start in midfield. I think that that fits Hughes's style a little bit more and and they've grown so much together from the first match they played. Uh, mm-hmm. which was in a four four two, which was uh, I think back West Ham of of last season uh, mm-hmm. when we we got done three nothing, but um, they they got overrun in that match, um, and and it wasn't a, a great showing, and of course we we switched formations after that, um, but I think this season they've both kind of understood their role and they they've worked well together. Um, the choice of Ellie Nussi and Redmond I think is is fine out wide. I think they are the two best wide players that we have. Um, Danny Ings is probably always getting picked. And then you have the one other striker selection where you have long Austin and Gabby Adini kind of all vying for that. And, and, and in my opinion, nobody really taking charge of that and taking, grabbing a hold of that spot. Um, but I mean, what did you make of Austin being selected over, over Gabby Adini or long yesterday? Um, I was, I was quite pleased with it, to be honest. I think, uh, Bournemouth is one of those games which we, you'd need a player with the, Characteristics of Austin on and off the pitch. I think he understands the sort of the the importance of the game. Not it, it, you know we both we all know it's not a derby match mm-hmm. so to speak. But there's there is an added there is an added um, added fire with with the game against Bournemouth ever since they've they've sort of come up into the Premier League. Um, and I think his his personality matches that sort of um, that sort of game. Um, he always seems to have joy at. Um, at the vitality as well, he scored there last season. So yeah, to be perfectly honest, I thought it was it was justified. I thought it was, a, it was a, the right selection. Um, as the game went on, though, I think it was it was the right call to to take him off. I think I think we're we're, we're stuck in a in a position now with the other striker. Seeing as you say is 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 going to be the starting striker up top with another pair. I think we we're sort of stuck in a mindset now of how how we also want to play with the secondary striker Austin, obviously. A, Provides a bit more of a target man type of type of football, whereas Long and Gabbiadini offer offer runs in behind. And I think right now we're 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 sort of struggling to to choose sort of which way we're gonna we're gonna approach games going forward. Jumping back to Hoot for, for just a second, yeah. Do you think the fact that he is really the only like truly left footed centre back that we have, you think that has helped him kind of stay in the lineup maybe when he didn't deserve it? And and based off yesterday's performance and some of the performances that he's had recently, do you think he's starting to to nail down that spot, like he's going to be the the kind of the steady center back in there, and, and that other spot next to him is going to be the one that that rotates through. Um, I think if he consistently performs like he did yesterday, then then for sure. Um, 
to be honest, I, um, I think his performances this season have been questionable. I think he is he can be quite vulnerable at the back. He doesn't boast um, the best pace in the world, um, and I think sometimes that can that's his sort of undoing. To be honest, but as I said yesterday, it was again one of his best performances for the club. Um, I think that that's a really interesting point with the left foot because him on the left with Birch and both left foot players, I think that has helped Hoyt. Um, as I said, if he if he puts in performances consistently like he did yesterday, then there's no reason why why he shouldn't nail down that spot. Yannick Vestergaard's come in and, and it's taken him longer to adapt to the Premier League as he probably would have liked and, and we would have liked. So there is places up for grabs. And as I said, if Hoyt can consistently perform like that yes, like he did yesterday, then then there's no reason why he can't be the the rock to that centre, the uh, the rock to the back four. Yeah, yeah. Um, just looking, I guess at at the match yesterday. I mean, there was a really like opening minute, real really like, decent chance for Bournemouth to to kind mm. of get ahead of us, and it was just like, you know, I think all of us looking at the lineup were a little bit worried. Um, even even I, I tend to try to be positive about it, but I I can't help but but worry about about how the the direction of the team and, um, you know, you start maybe it's just reading through all of the articles and, and Twitter and all that stuff all the time where it starts to get into your head and kind of shape your view of, of what's going on. But, you know, you start to look at the, at the direction of the club and, and the players that have gone and everything else and, and the, the stuff of the manager. And then you, you come into that. And then the very first minute they, they have that chance. I don't know. I, I kind of thought like we, we could be in for a really, really long afternoon. And, and I think most people predicted that they were going to beat us. And I think we would have been all been happy with the point going into yesterday. Yeah, I think, I think it was spot on. Um, yeah, it wasn't the best of starts and Bournemouth sort of caught us cold, really. I think they came out flying out the blocks. And yeah, it was a, it was a great chance, arguably their best chance of the afternoon. And really, for us, it was quite fortunate that we didn't go under down at that moment. But I think the fact that that didn't go in, the back four then from there grew in confidence and, and, and felt that they could deal with anything that, that Bournemouth sort of, sort of threw at them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, from there, the, the next kind of 10 minutes were, were pretty open, but mm. not, not very many goal threats, I guess. Not, I mean, I think Bournemouth's first shot on target wasn't until deep into the second half, and it was a header uh, mm. from Ake, I think, and it was right at McCarthy, thankfully. But, I mean... For as much as I kind of enjoyed watching the players run at one another and lose the ball and run at each other and, and misplaced mm-hmm. passes and all that stuff, like there, there wasn't. If you kind of look at the highlights of the of the, you know, if you're doing the minute by minute report, there's mm-hmm. not a lot to put down there. You know, it's kind of, you know, yeah. there's a couple of injuries, there's a couple of stoppages, and then yellow cards, and then and then halftime. But, um, I mean, in that first half, what what kind of stood out to you in terms of of our performances that maybe made it different from uh, some of the other things that we've seen over over recent weeks. I think, as I said, the game plan was to try and stifle Bournemouth and, and prevent them from playing their sort of expansive football. And I think that the fact that we were we were on their first touch, we didn't really give them a lot of space um, to to play those passes. I think that was the encouraging sign for me. And I also thought for for a stage in in the first half with with Redmond and Bertram, we did look dangerous going forward, and it, it did look positive um, for me. The, the overriding thing which stood out for me in terms of Saints' performance was the fact that we were creating chances, but again, it was just the fact that we, we couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, which which was, was our problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were a couple of times where we had strikers through or people playing people through or, or opportunities to put crosses in where we kind of just failed to really like 
you know, uh, there was an instance, it was the second half that Cedric got clear. He had two people kind of drop back off, like just off mm-hmm. of the penalty spot, I think. And he chose to put the ball kind of straight across yeah. the six yard box to get cleared. And it's just things like that where we're just not quite, I don't know, maybe we're just not quite all on the same page, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's just the final ball, really, isn't it? I think we we can get into those areas, but then when it comes down to the to the killer pass or, or the killer strike, we're just we're just lacking really in, in, in that department. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, looking at uh, at a lot of the chances that we had, I mean Hoiberg, I think two or three times yesterday, mm-hmm. uh took a shot for a volley from, from well outside the area. And, you know, I was kind of looking back at, at, at his, uh, at some of the goals we've scored. And, and I think we've only scored six goals. One of them's from the penalty spot. One of them's kind of uh, Ings kind of, it dribbles home off of a corner. Uh, then there's that, that one from open play where he got he, ball went over the defender's head and he kind of outside of the, of his right foot uh, pushed it past the keeper or through the keeper's legs actually. Um, but then you have, you know, the wonder strikes from, from Hoiberg and, and, and Bertrand and then the counterattacking goal against Crystal Palace. And that's it. So you look yeah. at like, you know, you're talking two thirds of our, or a third of our goals are, have come from these kind of strikes outside the area. So I maybe don't as much care if Hoiberg's trying that over and over and yeah. over. And yeah, I mean, he forced the keeper into two saves yesterday, I think. So, I mean, um, overall, I guess I, I just have to be happy with the fact that he's he's got the the confidence i guess to to go ahead and have a have a go from there yeah we know we've got it he's, he's got it in his in his locker so for me the fact that he's trying trying those shots to say it's for me it's encouraging because we know that he's got the ability to to strike the ball well from outside the box and and as you say yesterday gave begovic something to think about on two of those occasions and one of them very nearly crept in so as you say i think um I, I quite like the players. If it if it opens up, then have a go. I think I'd I'd rather us do that than than turn around and, and try and walk it in the net, which we've been guilty of um, sometimes this season. Yeah, yeah, and it it looks much better when Man City or Arsenal do it. I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just some something about the way it happens that it uh, it just looks nice. But um, I don't, yeah, I think you you hit on a good point when you said. I mean, we really did a good job of, of closing down the space and, and not allowing them to, not allowing Bournemouth to get their heads up and, and, and play the football that they wanted to play. And they look frustrated. Um, some of their fans were, were tweeting me and saying, you know, you've frustrated us today. And that was, uh, you know, we did a good job. And I think that if that's the game plan, that's great. And I, and, I, and I don't want to say this, but I think that some people will say yes, but should we be trying to go out and stifle Bournemouth? You know, is that really yeah. the type of team we are? And I think that the reality is that is the type of team that we are right now where we, we are going to struggle to impose ourselves, but we can still get points and try to win games by doing this. And I think that you, you got to start and build from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I think, as you said, the reality is that we are a, a bottom half Premier League side now and, and going into the game, Bournemouth sat sixth in the table. Um, there is a worry when you go into a game and you alter your style of play to match, to match the, the, the opposition. But as I said, I think you go into a game, you've got to have, you've got to be smart about approaching games. And the fact that Bournemouth are, are free scoring at the moment and they, they haven't lost at home all season. And you, sometimes you have to sort of um, compromise your game plan to, to make sure that you get something from the game. And I think had we had taken the chances that we created, then, then it would have been perfect, a perfect performance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I, I think that kind of in my mind, the highlights for the first half are, are, are over. 
Uh, if I miss anything you want to talk about, there's, uh, you know, let me know. But I think that going into halftime, we have to be happy with the performance. I think the first half, I think we played better than the second half. Um, but that's because Bournemouth would have gone in and, and made some adjustments to try to, you know, work through the pressure that we were providing. And um, Lamina gets hurt early in the second half, which I think uh, it causes us to change our game plan just a little bit. Romeo wasn't on the bench. So it means that, that Armstrong comes in, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second, but I mean, the the highlights for me are the, uh, the the positives to take from that are that we did a really good job of stifling them. Um, we created a lot of, of kind of half chances. Maybe um, we need somebody to finish those, uh, but also then Hoot and Stevens I think played really really well, and I think they did uh, kind of everything that we would have asked of them. Um, and I don't think I think maybe there was one or two instances where they got beat for a header where King kind of wiggled free, and but he, he didn't he didn't make us pay for it. So I think we just have to to be happy with that um i think i think we we could have maybe gotten some of our wide players in the game a bit more but um once again i think that that goes along with the game plan where they they had other responsibilities and it wasn't always you know get get kind of to the touchline and 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 then drive forward so i think we'll uh we'll, we'll work on that as we go forward but um anything else in the first half stand out to you before we kind of move on um i think just the 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 best chance that we created in, in the first half was, was the ball through to Charlie Austin. Um, as I think as it comes over, I'm not too sure if he's anticipating the defender getting there before before he does. But as it falls to his, as it falls to him, I think for me as a fan, it's easy for me to say. I think he should have struck it first time, and then maybe you'd have had found more joy because um, he's got the ability to do that. But in his mind, he wanted to try and take around the goalkeeper and, and slot it in, and unfortunately, his touch was too heavy and it took him took him out of play. But I think. As you said, the first half, we executed the game plan well. Hoyt and Stevens were, were complimenting each other well when one was going, one was covering, and Stevens sort of backed up Hoyt because Stevens, I believe, possesses a, a, a yard or two more of pace yeah. than Hoyt. So I said, yeah, the, the back line were complimenting each other well. And as you said about the, the wide players, I think he was just trying to implement the, sort of, the same sort of uh, game plan against Crystal Palace that was uh, trying do your defensive duties and then try and catch them, catch them on the counter attack. And, and that almost came off for us a couple of times in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that chance for Austin. I mean, do you think that it's just, he, I think, I feel like I've seen him do that before where it's just the mm. touch isn't quite there. And I don't know if it's, if it's match fitness, if it's just, you know, not being in that position because he hasn't played a ton of games or, or had a ton of opportunities this yeah. season. Um, and I know that when he came in, he was going to be our goal scoring savior. And, and last year he scored, you know, uh, a lot of goals that really that, that played an important role for us uh, in, in getting points, uh, and then he's been plagued by injuries. But do you think that that with time, with with more chances, do you think he's going to be better than that, or do you think that that that's that's really what Charlie Austin is, and and the, the amount he's playing is going to be what we get from him going forward? Um, I think I think there's that as, you, as as we said earlier, there's that secondary striker st- secondary striker place that is up for grabs, and and. The moment the other three strikers haven't been able to get a run of games in front in front of goal alongside Danny Ings, and I think it all plays a part. I think Austin hasn't got the match fitness because he hasn't played the minutes. Um, I think it could also be a confidence thing in front of goal. Um, so I think it, it it all it all sort of adds up. But as you say, I think Austin. We know Austin's got the finishing ability. It's just at the moment he's not quite getting into the right positions. Um, to make sure that counts, and then when he is in the right positions, it's it's almost sort of he gets caught caught in two minds: what where to place the shot or how to make sure 
it's a, an easy tap in like we saw yesterday. Um, but as you say, I think there is a secondary striker position available and Austin should really be the man to, to grab hold of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, going in the second half, uh, once again, you know, I was feeling de- I was feeling pretty good about the first half. Mm-hmm. Slightly worried about the second half because you know that Bournemouth are going to make uh, some some changes and you, and you just wonder if we're going to be able to do that um, for the second half. But I'll be honest that I didn't really feel like sometimes when we play some of the big teams, when we played Man City last year under, under Pellegrino, uh, we, we got through the first half and we were feeling pretty good, but then you just have that kind of worry hanging over your head. Like we're eventually going to concede, like this is not mm-hmm. going to last. I didn't necessarily feel that way yesterday. I felt like we were in control enough. And even during the second half when Bournemouth had uh, again, the majority of possession, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I never really felt like, 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 like they were going to score. Like I never really felt threatened. Um, I felt like if it would have gone in, it would have been kind of one of those ones where you kind of throw your hands up and say, well, I, you know, I guess that happens, but I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm alone in that feeling or if you're feeling the same way or what was your kind of going into the second half? Were you, were you worried or did you have that kind of feeling of dread? Like you, you, you thought they, they were going to score? To be honest with you, no, I, no, I didn't. I'm sort, of, sort of the same with you. I thought the way that we played and saw out the, the first half, I was, I was quietly confident that, that we'll, we'd continue to do that. There is always that hanging doubt over the Saints over the past season that it, you know, I don't know where to put, put the finger on it is really is it a concentration thing at the start of halves that lets down. But I, as I said, I didn't feel like that would, that was going to be a problem uh, yesterday um, because, because of how well we sort of dealt with Bournemouth in the, in the first half. And to be honest, Bournemouth didn't make it, Hard for the for the the back line to to deal with them. Um, I thought Bournemouth were having had a bit of an off day yesterday, and and Saints were able to just um, control the game pretty well. Kind of right at the beginning of the second half, um, Lamina goes up to try to win a header. Uh, mm-hmm. He comes down, lands on his I think it's his left leg uh, with kind of straight in it. I don't know if you saw it in the stadium or if you've seen as many replays as I have, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it almost hyperextends just a little bit. Um, yeah. Not nearly as bad as, as anything like, if you remember Zlatan uh, having that a couple of seasons ago where it, it, it clearly went. Um, he tries to go on, so I don't think it's anything is maybe, ho- oh, I can't say that, I'm not a doctor, but like hopefully yeah. nothing is completely <laughs> torn or, you know, the ACL and meniscus is, isn't done. But like he tries to go on, he can't really, uh, you watch him kind of limp around and, and knowing that he comes, I knew he came off and I went, I had to watch the second half kind of, uh, after after the fact for some of it, but like knowing he comes off, I was kind of trying to f- pay attention to his movement and stuff like that. And he didn't quite look up to speed. He looked like he was nursing it a little bit, and eventually he gets pulled off. I mean, if he is out, does that? I mean, what does that mean for for the team in terms of of, of formation of of kind of that midfield partnership? And is that a big worry for you if if he misses time, is there significant time with that injury? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think he's. I think the partnership him and Hoiberg have have formed has been probably our main strength for this season. Um, as you said, when he came off yesterday, the, the game sort of changed for us. I think we, we we definitely missed him when he wasn't there. And I think if he is out for a significant amount of time, then then it is a worry because we don't really have another midfielder in the same mould as him. Um, for me, he can do sort of both the defensive work and, and prove an asset going forward. Whereas you look at Oro Romeo, He's more of a defensive midfielder whose whose qualities are in sitting in front of the in front of the back line and providing defensive stability. Whereas and and Stuart Armstrong again 
is more of an attacking midfielder who's got the the capabilities going forward but not quite the defensively. So we've got sort of a player in Lamina who who has both of those sort of aspects to his game and it's it's hard to replace someone like that when we haven't got the same types of players who who can fill that role. I mean if he's out and I and I hope he's not in I was I'll be honest and doing the almost stalker thing where you look at his Instagram, you look at <laughs> the mood he's in at home, you look at you know all that stuff and he seems to be happy and um granted I can't understand anything he says because he speaks mostly in, in, in French. I think it's French. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um but you know he seemed to be okay afterwards so we'll see kind of how that how that goes and I'm sure uh the pain will be there today or not. Um and we'll find out more as, as time goes on. But if he's out, do you to accommodate for that, do you change formation maybe? Because I, I'm not sure that Remeyu fits in a four four two. I'm not sure Armstrong fits in a four four two. Um if you go four three three and have Remeyu hold and then you know Hoiberg and and Armstrong push a little bit forward, or if you go four two three one, um you have Hoiberg and, and, and Remeyu slightly deeper and, and Armstrong ahead. I mean what what would you what would you want to see from them? And of course at that point we're sacrificing a striker um or or a forward. So I mean in your mind, like what 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 might might Hughes do uh to accommodate for for the loss of Lamina if indeed he's out and this might prove to be all kind of useless by the time and I, the episode actually comes out. So I apologize to everybody if that's the case. Personally I think a four three three could work could work well with you say with maybe Romeo and Hoyberg sitting and then you give Armstrong the freedom to to go forward and then that can almost accommodate for the second striker. Because I thought in preseason that Armstrong was probably our our brightest player. Mm-hmm. Um he's again he's taken him a little while to to adapt to the Premier League and he's found chances few and far between so far. I think he nursed a bit of an injury uh, after the opening game against Burnley. So I think that has put him, has given him a bit of a setback as well. Um but as you say I think a four three three or four two three one even could could accommodate that. Um I say if Armstrong features in it and then it allows him to push forward, and then it, you've got the still got the defensive stability of Romero and Hoiberg um, behind him. Um, as you said, the striker situation at the moment is still a situation that we're trying to solve. So even if we had to sacrifice playing two up top, I don't think that would be sort of the worst thing to happen um, because it it isn't quite sticking up front at the moment with the 4-4-2 in terms of the strikers but of course in the 4 that we're playing at the moment the midfield is working well so that's that's just the that's something Hughes will, will work on but as you say hopefully Lumines won't be out but if he is I think a 4-3-3 could work effective I, I think one thing that would do as well is is give Eli Nussi and Redmond a chance to, to start a little further forward you know um, yeah. and I watch United States uh, men's national team over international breaks because I'm I'm from the United States. Uh, I'm American. I like watching them for that reason. But um, for the same reason that I don't watch a lot of baseball or other sports here, it's on at an awkward time. And I know like evening time, it, it, these uh, Nations League games are for you guys, it's on during the evening. For me, it's middle of the day and I'm at work and I can just put it on and I can listen. And so I, I try to pay attention. I try to watch some of our players if I can. Um, and, and so watching Eli Nussi, he he's playing further forward for, for Norway um, yeah. He looks better coming in from the left. Um, his cousin, uh, who plays kind of more of an attacking midfielder role, I think, um, he looked pretty good. And, and the goal that Elianusi scored for for Norway, um, I, I don't know. I, I just think I think we can do that. Like that, yeah. that, you know, we we should be able to do that. But maybe he just needs to be given license to be a little bit further forward. And, uh, and, and we'll we'll see. So hopefully, like you said, Lamina's still in, but we'll we'll see uh, how that goes. But um, 
I was kind of looking at, uh, you know, the job that Long and Gabbiadini did when they came on because we, we made that kind of double substitution for, uh, you know, two forwards for two forwards. And, um, I don't know, like Long, Long did a, a pretty good job. He, he got by Ake on one and, and kind of fired a, a shot in that probably wasn't ever going to go in, but it was causing some trouble. Um, and then he had the knockdown to Armstrong who just, I don't know, just missed it. You know, and yeah, and yeah. that was one of those things where, like, that was the, the that was probably the clearest chance we had, and it and it it doesn't go down as like a, a a very clear chance. I don't think I don't think it shows up that way because he didn't even get a shot off. Yeah, um, I think as you say, long for me, it, it sounds weird to say, but he's sometimes not in the squad to provide the goals. I know it sounds weird saying that as a striker, but he, his work rate well, when, when he's playing alongside uh, another striker, his work rate and and his pressing causes all can cause problems for, for defences. I think him and Danny Ings work really well together away at Crystal Palace. Um because for me Long of course isn't isn't the biggest player, but he, he can rise so highly when he jumps from the ball. He can always act as that sort of flick on for, for balls in behind. I think we saw that in Ings's goal away to Crystal Palace. Um yesterday again it proved proved to be the case with with him and Gary Dini so with that knockdown. He rose highest, and, and Armstrong was unfortunate. Not uh, not sure if it was he didn't sort of his feet out in time, or it just eluded him a little bit. Or he wasn't expecting Long to win it, but that's what Long can provide. Um, and I think he's, although yes, his goal scoring record isn't isn't great. Um, he adds a different dimension to that to that front, that forward line. I mean, at the end of the day, we get a point away. And I think most of us will take that. I think most people will take that at, at any point. You know, a, a point away in the Premier League is is, is a decent result. Um, it is Bournemouth, and so like it's not a derby, like we said, but there is maybe something a little bit extra. Um, but they've definitely been the team in form compared to us. So I think going out of yesterday, I think it's mostly positive for us. You know, maybe a few chances that we that we didn't take, but that's kind of been our story this year. And at least I think in my mind, we, we shirt up things defensively a little bit and uh, I can, I can be happy with that. Um, is that kind of your feeling as we go into to next week, which is a, a big game against Newcastle and going to be, you know, it, it, I don't want to say a relegation six pointer, but the, the truth is we're both teams are in the bottom half of the table, the bottom uh, part of that, of that second half. And it's going to be kind of an important match for us in terms of, of what happens, especially with Newcastle kind of, uh, going through what they're going through with their manager and their owner and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think, as I said before, the game yesterday would have would have taken a point um, and coming away from the game, disappointed that we didn't come away with all three sort of tells a story of, of how well we played. And I said it was important to get something from that game going into the, to the game next week. Because as you say, it is early in the season, but the game against Newcastle can sort of set the tone for, for the rest of the season in terms of where we're, where we're going to be. Um, where we're going to be battling either for to stay in the division or if we can push on and, and try and consolidate consolidate a, a mid table mid table place. Um, there's only positives taken from the game. Really, I was happy with with the job that the back line did. Um, the wide men did their job well, and then they they looked threatening going forward. And then it was not like we didn't create any chances. As you say Armstrong probably the, our best chance of the afternoon, um, as he couldn't quite direct it. Direct an effort at goal. So as you say, yeah, next week is a massive game, um, and it is important that we we got signed from yesterday to to take into it. But I say the point yesterday will only be good if we can get three points on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance that if we play like we did, 
I think we should be able to, uh, to, to do that, but we will, I guess we'll see. Um, one of the things I generally ask for at the end of matches is, uh, sometimes I was trying to figure out how to, how to do this. And sometimes I do the number of goals scored. Sometimes I do the, the number of, uh, added minutes, but there were so many yesterday with the, the injuries and the stoppages mm-hmm. that I, I felt that was too much. So I just asked for three words to kind of sum up the match. Um, and, and some of the people came in, um, one guy says saints can defend, uh, AJ Reardon, who also sent us a question that we'll answer in a second says scoring is overrated. Uh, one guy says not good enough. Caroline Emerson says better game today. And Jay says, we'll take that. And then we got some from Instagram as well. It says it was all right, which I think is, is pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty fine. Uh, should have won, which I can also understand. Um, this guy says haven't scored in the last four premier league games worrying. Um, I just did like a math gif because that's not three words. Need more goals, which I think is, is fine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and better than expected was another one. Yeah. Um, and the last one was, was well-earned point. And I think all of those are, are, are fair. And I think that's, I yeah. think that kind of goes along with, with what we're at. I mean, obviously it's always nice to win, but I think that, that going into yesterday, if we really try to be objective about it, we'll take it, we'll move on. Yeah. And, and we, we try to take some of those positives into, into Newcastle and, maybe work a little bit more on crossing this, this week. Uh, <laughs> maybe I don't want to see as many, as many goals as us scoring from the three yards out against uh, the, the under 18s keeper, but I'd like to see us maybe crossing the ball and getting it a little better. Cause that was pretty poor yesterday. But anyway, um, we do have one question. If you want to go, if we want to go ahead and answer that and before we yeah, sure. knock it off uh, and, and I'll just say like, it looks like we're going to be shorter than normal. And I just think that's because that's kind of the way the game went. The, the, yeah. There's no reason to, to belabor everything. It's uh, it's kind of nice to to be able to talk freely and and not feel like we're weighed down by all of this extra stuff. So, um, AJ Reardon, who is at Fred Lazaro Five on Twitter, says, "What is going? What is it going to take for the offense to run today? The midfield was strong, and Hoot and Stevens were solid, but the attack is just missing uh, that one spark. Uh, where will that come from?" He also says, "The Red Sox suck. Um, I'm an Astros fan." So they lost to the Red Sox, which is my brother's team. And so we didn't talk for like a week and now okay. he's happy because now that LA's won, we're, uh, we're just three hours from a potential world world series game. If we can, we can get there. And I think, I think, uh, crossing my fingers that we, we may be able to get tickets, uh, for, you know, something less than, uh, the 900 or a thousand dollars they were <laughs> going for earlier. So we'll see. But I mean, for you, I mean, is there anything that, that can be done? I mean, we have the players we have does the formation change help that we talked about maybe, you know, getting Armstrong and playing behind the striker a little bit, or what, what might you think will, will kind of kick, cause us to kick on that way? Personally, it has to come from midfield. I think we, in personnel, I think we lack sort of uh, an attacking midfielder. Obviously we signed Armstrong and, and as I said earlier, an injury and, and, an, and taking time to adapt to the Premier League has sort of hindered him. Um, but as you say, I think it, it comes from, First and foremost, it's got to come from the strikers as well. Um, as you said, we haven't scored in the past four games. Chances have been created, um, and we just haven't been able to put it in the back of the net. Um, but I think, as you say, a, per, uh, a formation change to, to accommodate uh, an attacking midfielder could could do the trick. As I said, the two up top at the moment hasn't worked in terms of scoring goals. So if you drop the uh, one of the strikers off and, and then play an attacking midfielder that... That could that could help with the with the goals coming from midfield, but that's something that Saints have struggled struggled with for for a few years ever since we sort right. of lost. Maybe even going back to when we even lost like Adam Lallana, 
um, in that season where, where Pochettino left as well. I think that's I think that's been a problem for Saints for a few years now that we haven't seen enough goals from midfielder. But as you say, I don't I, I don't think we have the players in the squad at the moment who can do that apart from Armstrong. I think if you look at some of the players that we have in midfield, they they're all sort of similar types of uh, midfielders. Like we've got Hoiberg, Lamina, uh, Jezreel Prowse, Stephen Davis, exactly. You know, those those types of midfielders who can do sort of the job in the centre of the park but aren't really flourishing in, in the opposition box. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, oh, I think I wholeheartedly agree with that. So uh, we'll just have to see kind of how that all yeah. works out. And um, like I said, it might be Hughes's hand might be forced a bit if uh, if Lamina is indeed is indeed out, although I, I I sincerely hope he is not because I think he has been great. Although somebody I tweeted it yesterday when he got injured that he has to come off and and somebody said, "Well, he's a worker," and I was like, "Well, I just won't respond because uh, I don't know how to respond to that without being rude." So, um, Sam, I want to thank you for for coming on the show. First of all, um, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Do you have any other thoughts on, on anything, or uh, we should also uh, tell people where they can find your writing and stuff like that uh, again? So, if you want to do that and then add anything, any final touches before we we wrap this up, that'd be great. Yeah, so again, um, at Fresh Saints on Twitter is, is where you can find most of my work, most of my writing for, for uh, about Southampton um, anyway. And uh, my personal Twitter is at Mr. Sam Ecox, as we said earlier. Um, yeah, and no, I think we covered everything to be honest. I think the club at the moment is in a position now where we know we're a bottom half side. Um, we know we've got potential. Um, it's just now making sure the, the players can show their quality and the commitment to the club to make sure we're not in a, another relegation battle come, come May. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking ahead to the, some of the fixtures and, and this run to the next international break doesn't look kind. Um, no. Theoretically, I mean, having gotten the point yesterday, you're, I was to be completely honest, like you're looking at, at a, the possibility of not having any more points of having three more points, maybe, um, when, when these fixtures are said and done, um, then now that we have the point yesterday, maybe, maybe you get four or five. I don't know. It, it, it's, it could be rough, but, uh, if we play like we did yesterday, I think we'll find ourselves in a much better position going forward than, uh, than the way we have been maybe. Yeah. I think there's definitely a platform to build on now from yesterday. I think the positive signs are there. Um, and it's now, as you say, the run isn't kind to us and, and I'll start the season on paper. You would have said we should have more points than we currently do. And that's the most disappointing thing. Right. Um, from my perspective, but as you say, I think if we, we we show we've shown that we've got the quality. I think that our performance against Leicester prior to sort of we scored, we 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 played. I thought it was one of our best performances for a long time. Um, and it was again, it was just one of those things that Saints couldn't hold out a lead, and that's been sort of our Achilles heel for the past year or so. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you again for for doing that and uh, for coming on the show and just having a chat and I appreciate uh, your willingness to do that. And we'll put links to fresh saints and the fresh saints, Twitter and the website and everything. And in your profile in the show notes, so people can check that out in a nice, easy click. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll hopefully we'll do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton delivery podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Sam Cox, who joined me. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Sam E. Cox, and you can get his writing along with the writing of a number of other talented individuals 
at freshsaints.com. You can follow them at Fresh Saints. The links to everything are in the show notes. This show is partnered with the Southampton page. You can find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the content they put out uh, is is worth viewing. So uh, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. The links are in the show notes. You will not be disappointed. Uh, that I know for sure. The artwork for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For all your Match Day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has done a fantastic job. He has been a guest on this show. He's been super helpful from the very beginning. Uh, I could not have done this without him. So thank you, Matt. Uh, Go check it out. If you want to follow this show on social media, you can. We're on Twitter and Instagram at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can email the show at SouthamptonDelivery at gmail.com. Uh, And that pretty much is all the ways you can contact us. If you've enjoyed this episode, but you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you're not sure how to do that, send me a message. I will help you. That's my job. You've already subscribed. Uh, Make sure you tell your friends about the show uh, if you've enjoyed it, of course. Uh, And if you really want to do me a solid, uh, you can leave a review on iTunes. That helps a ton. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. Saints host Newcastle at home next week. It is a big game. We need three points, so hopefully the boys can do that. Uh, But no matter what, until next time, remember that together, we march on. 